Hi there and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. That would have been so embarrassing. I almost wore that same shirt today. For those of you uh, who are in the overflow, we just want to say that we love you and we thank you. Can we just give God a hand of praise? We love you. Make sure they got some water and some coffee. Now, y'all don't leave and go out there like, wait a minute, they get coffee out there? Yeah, they can have coffee. Praise God. Come on, let's pray one more time. Father, we're about to go into your word now. It's a holy thing. Your word is sacred and true and does not fail. I'm asking, Lord God, that you would change each one of us today as we try to understand a little bit better what Easter's really about. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Open your Bible to Matthew 28 if you have one. You have your Bible, Matthew 28. If you don't, you can follow follow along on the screen in just a moment. But Jesus is the reason for Easter. There is no Easter without him. He changed and split time and eternity. But what he actually came to do was to destroy one thing and create another. He came to destroy religion and create relationship. He came to destroy religion and create relationship. What had happened is religion had begun to run wild. And, and people were convinced that it was difficult to get to God and God has never been satisfied with it being difficult to get to Him. As a matter of fact, He has and would again move heaven and earth in order to let you personally know how much He cares for you. So what He did is He looked down and He saw humanity messed up. He saw that everyone that lived had done something wrong, including the person sitting next to you. We've all done things we're not proud of. We've all done things that we wish we hadn't, that we regret. The problem is, God is perfect in every way. Therefore, if something is tarnished or dirty and touches something clean, the clean thing becomes dirty. So God cannot be spotless and clean and then be touched by something that is filthy because what is now, what is pure would then be unpure or impure. He would be completely different and changed. So instead of risking you and me being separated from him for all eternity, he devised the greatest plan that was devised before the foundation of the world and that was to send his only begotten son to shed his blood for you and for me and to pay the price for the penalty of what each one of us have earned. He took and he started and he found a a lady who was very virtuous named Mary who was a virgin. And the Bible says that Jesus was born to her in a town called Bethlehem. He was raised to know God. And the Bible says that even when he was a little boy, he would pursue the things of God. The Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor. And he became well known all over the region and everybody that knew him was changed. The Bible says 
that around 30 years old, he began what we call his ministry. The Bible says that he began to find people that were not perfect, but he began to use them and teach them about how much he cared for each one of us. And he would do the craziest stuff. He would go find people that were sick and had no hope and he would heal them and deliver them. He would go and find people with a broken heart and he would touch them. He would look and he would see the people that stand on the outsides of society thinking that they had no hope and no life and no choice and no opportunity to do any kind of good and he would leave everybody that he knew and he would pursue the one person that thought he was far from him. He would go and change everybody that he met. But he didn't just go and talk to people that didn't know him. He would chastise people who tried to make it difficult to get to him. He was constantly showing that religion was keeping people from him when he left heaven itself to form a relationship where people could freely get to him. There is a dissection between religion and relationship, and it happened 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ chose to come and live a sinless life for you and for me. After three years of ministry, the Bible says that Jesus was arrested on false charges. He was held in front of a court, but it wasn't the Roman court. The Romans at that time, they had occupied Jerusalem and they were in control, but they allowed the, the, the Hebrew people, the people of the temple, to have their own laws on the inside of their laws. So they were, he was brought before the high priests and the scholars and he was put on a kangaroo court type trial and they found him guilty of a bunch of heresy that had actually never happened. The problem was they wanted him dead, but their law wouldn't allow uh, uh, for execution. So they went to the Romans and they said, we got somebody that we need uh, you to kill. Would you mind killing them? And the head of the Roman uh, uh, guard and the head of the Roman government that was there, his name was Pilate. And he says, look, he says, I don't find any fault in him. You guys might find fault in him, but I don't find any fault in him. And the Bible says that he symbolically washed his hands in front of them. And says, I have nothing to do with this just and innocent man. Do what you want. So they screamed out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. So he ordered him to be crucified. But before he was crucified, the Bible said they tied him to a post. And they took a leather strap that had metal and glass and pieces of broken bone tied in it. And they laid those lashes on his back. Most historians believe 39 times. And everybody watching had no concept of what was taking place because they were watching his back be laid to ribbons to where he was. it was almost uh, uh, undiscernible that he was actually a man. His back was laid wide open and stripes laid on it. And nobody was tying together the fact that some hundreds of years ago, a prophet named Isaiah had written that he would be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our pieces upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. They had no concept of what was actually playing out in front of their very eyes that Jesus himself was destroying religion and building relationship. 
The Bible says that they didn't stop there, that they took a crown of thorns and they smashed it on his already beaten and bloody brow until they punctured his head and blood would flow out. The Bible says they took a a, a robe and they threw it over him and they told him that, hey, look, they began to mock him and bow and say, say, oh, you're the king, you're the king. And they mocked him and they began to spit on him and slap him and everything that he was enduring was actually meant for you and me. But what they didn't know is the Bible says previously that he would be the lily among thorns. You see, he was between those thorns as a prophecy to show that you and me would never be bound by anything again. The Bible says that he didn't just uh, stop there. The Bible says that they took his own cross and they made him carry it up a rock, dusty hill. Not for a swift death, but for a death where he would be nailed to a tree like a common picture hung on our wall. What they didn't know is he had already prophesied, if I will be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. The entire plan was playing out in front of their face, but through the eyes of religion, they could not see the relationship that was being presented. The Bible says his disciples watched from afar as their friend, the Savior, that they had seen defeat death. They had seen defeat death through their friend Lazarus. They had seen him walk on water. They had seen him calm the storms. They had seen him calm the seas. They had seen him do miracle after miracle after miracle, and it was incomprehensible. How could this man who had no limit be subjecting himself to this? And in the moment when they weren't sure what to say, Jesus looked down, and he saw faces not unlike yours and mine. And after viewing humanity one last time, he looked up to his dad in heaven and said, Father, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing right now. With his last breath, no one knows how loud because how much breath and life can you have after enduring what he endured. He said three words. It is finished. He said these words because religion will tell you that you have a requirement, but relationship tells you it's finished. Religion will tell you you have to earn your way, make your way, be good enough, qualify, and Jesus is simply saying today, it's finished. Whatever you felt like you had to do, he did. Whatever you felt like you had to, however you felt like you had to qualify, He qualifies. The Bible says that he was put in a borrowed tomb. And on the first day of the week, the Bible says everything changed. Matthew 28 and 1. Now after the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Somebody say, the other Mary. God is so good for a lot of reasons. But one, the Bible says that Mary Magdalene and Jesus' mother were both rushing to the tomb to see Jesus. Jesus' mother is the most virtuous woman who ever lived, called and ordained by God to carry the seed of heaven and bring it and usher him into humanity. Mary Magdalene is the furthest from that. By definition, she was possessed by multiple devils, but most historians continue to believe she was nothing more than a common harlot, a prostitute. 
And somehow or another, this Jesus who destroys religion and builds relationships was so kind and gracious that the most virtuous of people and the lowest of people all thought they had access to him. The Bible says that they ran to see him and behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Could you picture that? You're going to see Jesus. You're totally perplexed. This one who controls the seas and the winds is now laying dead and we're trying to figure out how and you get close and all of a sudden the earth begins to shake and all of a sudden you see like lightning from the sky an angel descends and when the angel descends he flips the stone out of the way and he doesn't just leave it there. The Bible says that he sits on top of it. See the thing about it is is when God moves in your situation what was blocking you before is going to be sat on by him see there's stuff that God's going to make a public spectacle but it's going to be in his time you see Peter James and John could have easily come and gathered a crowd and moved the stone but when God moves the stone everybody else is affected the Bible says his countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow for fear of them the keepers did shake and became as dead men the Bible says everybody that was trying to stop them fell as if they were dead. In other words, God was showing us even in this moment, no weapon formed against you will prosper. The Bible says that they shook and they fell as dead men and the angel answered and the angel didn't have to talk to the dead men laying there, but the angel spoke to the women and he said this, fear not. If I had 365 sermons to preach in one year, I would start each one of them with, Thus saith the Lord God Almighty, fear not. He does not have any weakness in him. He has no limit in him. When you get attached to the vine that never runs dry, the last thing you need on your radar is fear because he came to give you life and life more abundant. The Bible says... The angel said to them, fear not. He said, I know you seek Jesus which was crucified, but he is not here for he is risen just as he said he would. Come and see the place where the Lord lay. The Bible says in verse 7, now go quickly. Tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. Behold, he goes before you and he still does today. Jesus was already going before them and today he still goes before you to make a way he goes before you into Galilee there shall you see him just like I have told you I want to talk to you for just a few minutes more about the concept of relationship and religion you see when the earth began to shake the day Jesus was killed The Bible says the sky went black and the temple had a veil in it that would separate where people could go and where the presence of God was. In other words, people could not have access to the presence of God. But in that moment when Jesus said it is finished and he gave his life for you and me, the Bible says that the veil in the temple was ripped from the top all the way to the bottom. In other words, Jesus came and tore religion in half so that you and me could have a relationship with him. 
Maybe you find yourself like Mary and Mary Magdalene. Maybe that's your story where the first time you heard who Jesus was, you went all in. The Bible says that they didn't just hear. The Bible says they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy. Somebody say great joy. They went with great joy, meaning they instantly received the Word of God. They instantly received what God says. And some of us, that's our story. Maybe that's you today, where the first time your grandmother told you about Jesus, you accepted Him, or you went to a camp, or you went to an event, or a co-worker shared Jesus, and it burned in your heart so strong that in a moment, in an instant, you made the decision to follow Him. And you're here with us today celebrating the fact that Jesus is alive, but that's not everybody in the room. That's not all of us. You see, there are many facets to coming to know who Jesus is and everybody doesn't just instantly go with what they've heard. You know, sometimes you've got to see some things. Sometimes you've got to experience something different. As a matter of fact, one of the men that walked with Jesus for three years, his name was Thomas. And the Bible says that Mary and Mary Magdalene, after they saw the angel, they went and they told the disciples and a couple of the disciples ran all the way back to the tomb to take a look and make sure that he was really, that it was really empty. And then the Bible says they were all together and they were so happy and Jesus walked in the room. Could you imagine that day? They watch him be killed and then he walks through the wall and says, yo, what's up, y'all? They hug and they're happy and Jesus like told you I was going to do it. It's going to be awesome. You guys are going to do some great stuff. Everything you saw me do, you're going to do those things and greater. It's going to be wonderful. You're not, it's just going to be a great time. Oh, oh, by the way, where is Tommy? Oh, uh, uh, and Peter, he was probably a real good friend. So he's like, well, Tommy, he'll be here just a minute, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I think he's on the way. He just text me. Bible says Thomas came back and they're like, Thomas, bro, you missed it. Could you imagine missing church that day? You're like, I was going to go to church, but the game went really late the night before, so I decided to sleep in, had some donuts, had some, man, Darling's Donuts were good yesterday. Who was at the Easter Fest yesterday? Wasn't that fun? Praise the Lord. I'm going to get some donuts, going to hang out, praise the Lord, it's going to be great, just going to relax. And then all of a sudden, like 1 o'clock in the afternoon, your phone starts blowing up. Thomas, oh my gosh! New Heights was awesome. And they're like, yeah, I know the worship's great. No, 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 it was more than that. Yeah, 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 I know, I know there's pretty good preaching there. Yeah, 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 I know it's more than that. Jesus walked through the wall and talked to us. No, man. <laughs> no, no. No, I'm telling you, he talked to us. Like we saw the nail holes in his hand. We saw the scars in his side. He did everything he said he was going to do. And Thomas said, I'm not trying to be rude. But I can't believe that unless I see it. And if Jesus was like most of humanity... He would have said, fine then, don't believe. But instead, at the next opportunity, he showed himself to Thomas and he said, Thomas, look. These scars are for you. Thomas said, Lord, I'm so sorry. He goes, hey, look. I understand you had to see to believe, but I'm telling you, the people at New Heights Church Easter Sunday, 2018, that believe, 
that don't have to see the scar, that's the ones who are going to be really blessed. He said, he said, Thomas, whatever you need to believe, because the truth of it is, is we all are being called. I, I was asked this morning by my oldest daughter on the way to church. She said, Daddy, if you were king, I was like, first off, I love where this story's going. <laughs> she said, Daddy, if you were king, would you make it a law that everybody was a Christian? I said, absolutely not. She said, Dad, don't you want everybody to go to heaven? I said, no. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I said, of course I want everybody to go to heaven, baby. She said, well, why wouldn't you just make it a law? I said, because the only way to know if somebody loves you is if they have the option not to. You see, the reason we know Jesus loves us it's because he was already in heaven. He didn't have to come and do this. The same way you and me have the option to choose him. In other words, Jesus is calling each one of us. The problem is I can't answer for you. You can't answer for me. I got a cell phone. We all do. When it rings, there's a green button pops up and a red button pops up. When Crystal calls, green button when anybody else calls, red, 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 red. <laughs> Just kidding. Mary and Mary Magdalene got the call that morning and instantly accepted. Thomas saw and heard the call but couldn't find a way to accept one missed call. There's another guy in our Bible I'd like to talk about for just a moment his name was Saul maybe you can't relate with Mary or Mary maybe you can't relate with Thomas maybe it's a little further for you you see Saul was a guy that was so religious that he literally murdered Christians he would literally go and kill people that, live, that, that lifted up the name of Jesus. The Bible says he wouldn't just do it. He would pursue Christians. Maybe that's you. Maybe you haven't been on the fence about Jesus. Maybe you've been against the things of God. Oh, I'm never going to church. There's nothing but hypocrites in church. Pardon the newsflash, but there's hypocrites in Walmart too, but we still shop there. <laughs> hypocrites in church, we just know we're hypocrites. And we say we don't have the answer he does. A church is a hospital for broken people that are being repaired. It's not a place where perfect people meet. It's a place where perfect, where people come and talk about the one who is perfect. But Saul, he would, he would not just murder Christians. The first martyr in our Bible, the first person to give their life for Jesus after he gave his, was a guy named Stephen. And the Bible says he was about to be killed for preaching the gospel. They said, if you don't stop preaching the gospel, we're going to kill you. He said, well, you better start warming up. Because I'm not stopping. They said, I'm serious, Peter. and I'm serious, Stephen. And the guy who was going to kill him, the guys who were going to kill him, they took their coats off. And Saul runs over and goes, I'll hold your jackets, boys. Go on, give him the, go on, hit him with those rocks. He's holding the coats of the men that stoned to death 
the first Christian that was killed for his faith after Christ's resurrection. The Bible says later that Saul, he had had gone and gotten a a, a document, a warrant that he could arrest or kill anybody that lifted up the name of Jesus. He rolled it up and stuck it in his pocket, jumped on a donkey and was on the road to a place called Damascus and all of a sudden the Bible says a, a great light shined around him and he fell off the donkey. He was struck. He couldn't see anything. He says, who are you? And Jesus said, it's me, Jesus, the one whom you persecute. Paul said, what? Saul said, what? And instead of throwing Saul away, Jesus said, I have a plan. I want to use you even though you could never think you would be used by me. The Bible says that He didn't just change him, he changed his name. Changed his name to Paul. And this guy named Paul didn't just do good things. Listen to this. He wrote 13 books in the Bible, which is approximately 13 more than any one of us wrote. (laughs) Maybe you're like Mary. That's me. You hear the call. And you're going green button, green button, green button. Maybe you're like Thomas. And I don't know, maybe you've heard him called Doubting Thomas. I try not to call him that. Because we only have one record of him doubting anything. And somehow he got labeled as a doubter for all of history. Today's the day when you shake off all the labels that have held you back because of one bad decision. You don't understand, preacher. I've been divorced 767 times. Come on, we're believing God for 768 to be the right one. Just look at that person next to you. Look them right in the face and say, are you 768? No, <laughs> Don't let a label stay on you that was just one event. Maybe you're like Thomas, though. Maybe there was something, and and maybe you rejected a call or two. Maybe when your mom told you about Jesus, you rejected it. Maybe when your dad told you about it, you rejected it. Maybe when you heard the preacher with funny hair on TV talk about it. I don't know. Maybe you rejected Jesus. What I'm here to say is he's calling again. Saul, he wasn't just complacent. He was combative. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you found yourself. Maybe maybe that's what your family was. Maybe you grew up going, ha, there go those Christians. Ha, you wouldn't catch me in church. Maybe you've said that. And that's weighing on you. I'm here to tell you Jesus and his bright light will shine on you so bright that nothing else is visible. He is overwhelmingly good and he's calling you today. There's one other guy. You see, Mary and Mary Magdalene, they were there from the jump. Green light, green light. 
Thomas, it took a little time. Saul, nobody thought Saul would come around. And really, that's the ones that God uses the most. The ones that everybody else gives up on. The ones that everybody else turns away from. The one with the worst attitude. The one with the worst track record. The one with a, with a criminal record a mile long. That's the ones that God really uses. When everybody else gives up on him, he does not. Maybe you're like old Saul and you just spent your life against the things of God. Today's the day. Don't hear a concept of religion. Understand he offers relationship. My name's Brian. But the only name that I'm concerned about you knowing is the name Jesus. One other guy, he goes and the apostle Paul, Saul became Paul. And in between his, one of his stints in prison, effectively Paul was a convict most of the time he was writing. One of his stint, in between one of his stints in prison, he's got to go before a guy named King Agrippa and plead his case. And he's sitting there talking, and King Agrippa is certain he's just going to either have him executed or extradited, but he wasn't going to fool with it much. But while he's talking, what happens to King Agrippa is what happens to each one of us when Jesus is spoken of. Our heart burns within us. Our heart is pricked because our humanity and our own guilt and shame for what we've done is stirred up and stimulated, but at the same time, we sense grace pulling us in an embrace of love that can only come from heaven. Agrippa was torn because Paul's telling him, I was the chief of sinners. I did this, I did that. I was there to murder him. But I'm telling you, this Jesus who saved me, he will save you, and I long that all would come to know him. Pleading his case, Agrippa thought Paul was there to plead his own case, but Paul was actually pleading his case. And he looks at Paul and he goes, that's something. You almost convinced me to become a Christian. Decline. Trust me as I stand here. He regrets that declination today. Whether you come to him quickly, whether you had a season of doubting, or whether you were hostile to him, the reality is, is you have to accept the call. You have to receive him. Does your life become all gravy and lollipops and and unicorns when you accept Jesus? Exactly the opposite. But now you actually have a purpose. Now all the big questions of why start going, oh, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Everything begins to to make sense. Which is why even today, Easter Sunday, 
your mom, your dad, your grandma, your, your great-grandma, your granddaddy, they prayed for this moment that you would give your heart to Jesus fresh and new. That you would allow Him to make you clean. That you would allow Him to set you free. It's His total desire to do so. Would you stand with your feet? Stand to your feet with me, please. I'm going to ask you to do one last thing. I'd never want to embarrass you, but please bow your head and close your eyes. It's very serious right now. If you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus, I want you to know He's calling. He wants to make you new. He wants to change you. He wants to shift you from a life of despair to a life of significant purpose in who He is. Maybe you've never given your life to Him or maybe you're like a lot of us. You've known Him at one time but you feel like you've slid away. The Bible calls that backslidden. You may still be subject to him, but you're not in great relationship with him. And this is why he died, and this is why he rose. Not that you would follow uh, a 10-step program and a checklist to make your way to heaven, but that you would understand that he came as the way to heaven. If that's you and you've never given your heart to Jesus or you say, you know what, preacher, I need to rededicate my life today. I sense God. Don't be like Agrippa, almost persuaded. Be like Mary and Mary and Thomas and Paul. Give your whole life to Jesus and see what he'll do. If that's you, when I count to three, nobody's looking around. When I count to three, I want you to lift your hand tall and bold and just say, that's me, preacher. Would you include me in that prayer? I want to commit my life to Jesus today for a fresh start. If that's you, when I count to three, lift it high. One, two, don't miss this chance. One, two, three, lift it high. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Lift them high, hold them up, please. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. I see that hand, I see that hand, praise the Lord. Is there anyone, I see that hand, is there anyone else, praise the Lord? Is there anyone else? Come on, don't miss, I see that hand, I see that hand, thank you very much. Is there anyone else? Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, accept the call, be changed, be washed clean, be made new. Let Him change your whole family. The Bible says you and your whole house will be saved. One more moment. Is there anyone else? I see that hand. God bless you. you lifted your hand or you wanted to, I want you to pray this prayer after me, strong and bold. Matter of fact, church, help us pray. Say this, say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my victory. I'm a Christian and I accept the call this day to be yours. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Praise God. Listen, you gave your heart to Jesus today. Let me tell you, your next step is real simple. You need to be baptized. The Bible says that we should go and we should make disciples and we should baptize. Next week, we're having a baptism service right here. Before you leave this church, stop by the tent and fill out the form and be water baptized. That is an outward expression of what God is doing on the inside of your life. The other thing you need is you need to find out what does God's Bible say about you. Because we don't live Sunday and that's it. We live Sunday to Sunday. You need to be built up in faith. Next week at 10 o'clock, our Unbroken Faith Discipleship classes kick off during our 10 o'clock service in the new room in the lobby. So all you have to do is come to the early service or come to the late service, but be at that class. Be built up in your most holy faith. Let the Word of God begin to change you. This next week, it's going to be all about your purpose. Somebody say purpose. It took Paul giving his life to Jesus to discover his purpose. What does God have for you? If you said yes to Jesus today, you have a clean slate. There are no sins held to your account. Be baptized next weekend and make sure and be at that unbroken faith class. Give God a hand of praise today. Lift your hands. Let me pray a blessing on you. Lord, would you bless your people coming in. Bless them going out this Easter. Lord God, we thank you for making a way for us, for defeating death, hell, and the grave. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. God bless you. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.